My mom used to enjoy baking, and one of the favorite things that she ever made was something she called applesauce muffins. They had cinnamon in them, and they were so good. I still remember I would come home from school or from soccer practice or whatever, and she had been baking in the kitchen, and the whole house had that pleasing aroma of applesauce muffins. I would come home and get them right out of the oven, and when you cut them open, steam would still be coming out. I'd put some butter on it, it would melt, and with a glass of milk, that is heaven. I love it. To this day, sometimes Nancy makes applesauce muffins, and when that scent fills the home, I am nine years old again. I love it. Why am I telling you about applesauce muffins? Well, it should be obvious. Today's scripture is about tithing, and that should bring up warm, fuzzy feelings in all of us. Actually, if you look at the Leviticus text in verse 13, it says, When you bring the grain offering, the first fruit into the temple, also bake this bread that's a pleasing aroma unto God. It's the aroma of freshly baked bread. It's not normally what we think about when we think about tithing, is it? There's probably good reason for that. You've probably heard a million sermons on tithing over the years, and they haven't always felt warm and fuzzy. In fact, I found this in storage in the old church. Does anybody know what this is? This is a, you know, nowadays our, our, our generations have a selfie stick, but this is a tithing stick, and I think this was used in maybe the old church to collect people's offerings. Come on, Bill, what you got there? You, you, you're going to give pretend money to God? Are there any spiritually mature people here you want to give real money? Isn't that interesting? Sometimes, it's small, too small, right? We're going to need a bigger one here at this church. I like that attitude. Isn't that interesting that um, sometimes we hear sermons about tithing or giving to God and it feels a little bit like a guilt trip. It feels a little bit kind of like, give me your money, you know? Well, I do want us to not think in terms of guilt trip motivation, not to think of this sermon as a way to beat our brows with this, but rather with the warm, familial feeling of the scent of fresh baked bread and an invitation to come deeper into our relationship with God, to bring him our anxieties and our stresses and just to kind of come into his kitchen with our praise, with our worship, with our tithes and offerings. So I want us to look at this text together with that in mind, with that spirit in mind, not guilt motivation, but family, a deeper invitation. And I want us to look at what exactly we mean when we say tithe. In the Old Testament, they called it first fruit. Let's look at verse 10 together of our reading, Leviticus 23, verse 10, where it says this, this is a command that God gives to his people. It says, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord. That was the practice in the Old Testament. As soon as the harvest started coming up out of the earth, the farmers would grab a sheaf of it and they would bring it into the temple and they would wave it before the Lord. The first portion. And in our context, I, I don't know many people who are growing fields of grain out on your property. So in our context, it's not grain so much as it is finances. And God says, bring me the first portion 
before you go spend it on a million other things, bring me the first portion and bring it before me in my sanctuary. That's the invitation. And I was thinking about how to understand what exactly tithing is. And I I thought of a way of explaining it to us that might help us all understand it. And it's to show you the difference between tithing and donating. There's a difference between making a donation and making a tithe. Did you know that? I brought this chart for us just to kind of learn this. There's a few distinctions, and I think if we look at these distinctions, we'll understand what tithing is a little bit more. By the way, before I start going through these distinctions, I want you to know that both donating and tithing are good. I don't want you to think that I'm showing you this list to show that donating is bad and tithing is good, but they are different, and I want us to understand the differences. The first thing I notice that's different about donating and tithing is that donating is charity. Donating is charity. You know this word, don't you? It comes from the word charis or grace. When we give charity to somebody, we're graciously giving them something because we're generous and they are in need. That's donating. It's charity. But tithing is not charity. God doesn't need our charity, right? So it's not charity, it's worship. Tithing is worship. We're worshiping the God who is gracious to us. We are the ones in need in the God-human relationship. So we recognize that and we worship Him. I don't know if you notice this, it's very intentional, but Anna, when she's done singing the praise songs, when she's done leading us in that, she stands right here and she says a very intentional line to us. She says, please be seated as we continue to worship God with the giving of our tithes and offerings. You ever hear her say that? It's very intentional. Please be seated as we continue to worship God with the giving of our tithes and offerings. She doesn't say, please be seated so we can get take care of the business. We're worshiping God when we bring Him our tithes and offerings. And then a few minutes later, when the ushers have collected our tithes and offerings, they come up here before the altar, before the cross, and they lift it up like this when we sing the doxology. That's very intentional. We are worshiping God with our tithes. We're recognizing that He has been charitable to us. We're not bringing Him charity we're worshiping. That's the first distinction between donating and tithing. The second one is that donating is often a public act. Maybe you've been at the spring fundraisers and you sit there at the table and you wave your paddle giving a certain amount of money. That's a public action. Or if you make a donation to a political candidate, it gets listed on some website. Or if you open up the alumni magazine of your alma mater, and there's your name for the donation that you've made. It's often public. But tithing is between you and God. Tithing is between you and God. It's not necessarily public. Did you know that about Stanwich Church? If you're new, you don't know this yet, but this is a really cool thing. Your tithing is literally between you and God. Nobody on the staff, pastors included, knows what you are tithing. You could have given $10 last year or $100,000. I don't know about it. The bookkeeper does. But more importantly, God knows. Tithing is an act of worship, and it's between you and God. It's a spiritual discipline in that way. Donating often comes out of the extra. Donating comes out of the abundance. This is the third distinction. 
we look at our accounts and we realize we have some extra and we get a solicitation or an ask from a charity and so we give to them if we have extra. But tithing is very different in this sense. If you notice what the command was that God gives, donating or tithing doesn't come out of the extra, it comes out of the first fruit, the first portion. This is a big switch between donating and tithing. God says, bring me your first fruit. I know you need to eat. I know you need to pay the bills. But before you do any of that, worship me with your tithe. It's a first fruit. It's a declaration of trust that God will supply the rest. Donating is occasional. It comes when the solicitation, when the asks come. I have a number of nieces and nephews now, and they're all going into their teenage years. So I get the occasional solicitation letter from them. Uncle Nathan, my youth group is going on a mission trip. My goal is to raise $1,300. Will you donate? It's occasional. I can decide whether, how much I want to give to them. But tithing, on the other hand, it's not occasional. It's routine. It's routine. God said, when you come into the land, when the harvest grows, bring me the first fruit. And this first fruits festival is one of 11 others, 12 total feasts that God designed. Each one required an offering to bring to the temple. It's routine. There's one for every month of the year. So as long as there's a month going on, God says, bring me your portion into my temple. Whereas donating is occasional, Tithing is routine. It's just part of our lives. Some people, when they tithe, have it automatically taken out of their paycheck. Just automatic. The bank just does it. I prefer to place it in the offering plate because I like to embody my worship. But some people, they take Jesus' words to not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing seriously, and they just have it automatically deducted. It's routine. It's just part of life. The last distinction I want to outline between donating and tithing, I think, really gets to the heart of the matter. When, do- when I'm donating, I'm in control. When I get those fundraising letters from my nieces and nephews or from a million other people who want me to donate, I can decide, I'm in control, whether I'm going to write them a check or whether that letter gets put in the recycle bin. How many fundraising letters end up in the recycle bin? I'm in control of that. But tithing, on the other hand, is a recognition that God is in control. God is in control. If you think about it, if he asks us to give the first portion of our harvest, we're trusting him to provide the rest. It's a recognition that I actually don't ultimately provide for my family. But God provides for all of us. God is in control. When I bring my tithe as an act of worship unto him, I'm declaring, I'm going to trust you, God, to do a better job providing than if I were just to try it on my own. So that's what tithing is. It's, it's worship. It's between you and God. It's a first fruit. It's routine. And it's a recognition that God is in control. We might also wonder then, what really is the motivation for doing it? Maybe you're new to this idea of tithing and 
you're used to just donating to the church. What's the deeper motivation for tithing? Well, it's a recognition of gratitude for what God has done. Look with me again at that verse 10 that we've already read. Read it carefully with me where it says this, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest to the priest. The land that I give you. Remember, where the Israelites had been, they had been slaves in Egypt. Nothing they had was their own. They were totally enslaved. All of their material possessions weren't their possessions at all. God delivered them out of their enemies' hands and gave them graciously an entire land in which to live and thrive and grow crops and drink wine and have families. Now, we don't live in that exact same setting where we've been given physical land by God. This is not talking about the United States of America as much of a gift as that is. This is really in the New Testament language. We can think about the land He has given us, the deliverance He has given us is salvation in Jesus Christ. These folks in the Bible were delivered from the hands of Egypt. We've been delivered from the hands of the enemy of our souls. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he delivered us. And Jesus, when he was here on earth, he said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. So he has given us this land of salvation. He's given us life abundant and life eternal. And just as the people in the Old Testament, they said, you know what? Everything that we have is a gift from God, our deliverance our possessions, we want to give back a portion as a way of saying, thank you, God, for what you've given us. In the same way, we look around at our lives and we say, Jesus, thank you for giving us life abundant and life eternal. We thank you by giving you the first portion of this gift as a way of saying, you did all this for us. We recognize you. So that's the deep motivation. It's not guilt. It's not charity. It's not because you were browbeaten into it, and it's not even because you're going to earn God's love. See the order here? God says, I've demonstrated my love for you in dying in your place. Now, out of gratitude, we say, I give you back a portion of all that you've given. That's the motivation. So now we've looked at what tithing is and what the motivation for it is, the true motivation, but you might be wondering, what does tithing actually accomplish? What does tithing do? And when I think about that question, I really think the answer is not so mechanical. It's more spiritual. What does tithing accomplish? It, it blesses. It blesses. There are three blessings that I see when I think about tithing. First one is that tithing blesses God. Tithing blesses God. Did you hear that in verse 13? The grain offering with it shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine. How pleased was I when I was a kid when my mom filled the home with that wonderful aroma of freshly baked applesauce muffins. 
God is blessed. When we fill his sanctuary with the aroma of our tithes, our offerings, our worship. I love the language of Psalm 100 that says, um, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. It pleases God. It blesses God when we give a sacrifice of praise, when we give a sacrifice of our finances. It pleases God much the same way that those of you who are parents know, your children can occasionally really please you. They can just bless you. I'm thinking of an example recently. My son, Riley, who's 12, he spent an entire year saving up, saving every dollar. He did every chore he could for money. He saved every birthday gift he got, and he saved up, and he saved up. He had a spreadsheet to track his progress, <laughs> and he saved up to buy something that was really important to him. It was a drone that he could take video footage with around the church property. And he saved up, and he finally was ready to buy it, and we sat down at the computer together, and we went on the Amazon website to you know, click purchase after he had transferred his money that he had saved up to me so I could buy it for him. And we clicked purchase, and I looked at him and kind of wondered what he was feeling in that moment, just having saved up and then purchased his first expensive thing. And he really blessed me by what he said. He turned to me and he said, Daddy, thank you for supporting me. Very sweet, isn't it? I was so blessed. I think our Heavenly Father is blessed. When we turn to Him occasionally... And we say, Father, thank you for supporting me. Thank you for giving me all that I have. Life abundant, life eternal. Here's a portion to show how grateful I am. I bring it into your sanctuary like a loaf of freshly baked bread, a pleasing aroma to you. So tithing blesses God. But tithing also blesses you. And me, it blesses us. Tithing blesses the, the giver. And this is one of the most mysterious but wonderful things about the Christian life. I can't necessarily explain it. I can describe it, but I can't explain it. That when I tithe, when I actually make a discipline in my life of bringing that offering, every time I get a paycheck, bringing an offering into the Lord and giving it as an act of worship... I end up feeling less anxious. It's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? One more expense on the family budget, yet I feel less anxious about my finances. You know, I grew up in the Midwest, and I grew up in a, I'll call it a low-budget household, where we had to watch every single dollar, and I still do to this day. And sometimes I get into that worry zone. I get into that anxiety zone a little bit. And I start worrying, am I going to have enough at the end of each cycle, at the end of each month? But when I give, when I give God a first portion, this amazing thing happens where I start to worry less. I trust God with the first portion. The first 10% is what Nancy and I give. I trust Him with that, and then I learn to trust that He will provide the rest. I can't necessarily describe how that works. Maybe it's some kind of brain science. Maybe it's just 
God's gift when we bless him with a tithe, he blesses us back with less anxiety. The best thing I can tell you, if you've never tried this, if you've never done like the routine tithe with every paycheck, the best thing I can say is try it. Try it. What do we say to our kids when we're eating healthy food? Try it. You might like it. (laughs) Try it. You might be blessed. I dare you to try it. Give it like a three-month run and see if your anxiety goes down. Jesus, when he was speaking to a group of anxious people worrying about paying their bills, you know what he said to them? He said, think about the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Surprise. Then he says, can any one of you, by being anxious, add a single hour to your life? Let me put it in today's terms. Maybe Jesus might have said to us, can any one of you, by being anxious, add a single dollar to your retirement investments? Wisdom can add dollars to your retirement investments, but not worry. This is what tithing really is. It's an invitation to trust him more. He gets blessed, but so do we. A third blessing in tithing is that it blesses the church. And the church blesses the world. When we tithe, we bless God. We ourselves are blessed, but we also bless the church. In the Old Testament times, when these people brought in the grain offering and the bread and the wine, the the priests were blessed. The priests didn't spend their days working the earth and doing a normal job out there in the economy. So they relied actually on these first fruits that the people brought in. And in the same way, this church, any local church, relies on the tithes of the people. Now, most tithing sermons begin and end with this. They say, we need your money to keep the lights on. But notice I've given it as the third blessing. It is important, but it's not the primary blessing that comes from tithing. The church gets to maintain its functions, yes, but what is the church doing in this world? It's here to bless the world. So there's a double blessing in this. Your tithe blesses the church and the church blesses the world. Just for the fun of it, a couple of months ago, I had our staff on a Tuesday morning. I had them imagine Greenwich and Stanford without Stanwich Church in it. Just pull Stanwich Church, pull the congregation, pull the ministry out of Greenwich and Stanford. What would change? I remember as we talked about that, I remember Patricia just started crying, just imagining our culture without the church in it. The church blesses the world with our acts of service, with our acts of kindness, with our words of truth, with our crying shoulder, with our prayers for healing, with our position of being ambassadors of reconciliation to all that's broken in the world. Church, you are blessing the world. I feel in many ways like I can give this sermon with such joy because honestly, I brought up that funny uh, offering thing. I should have brought up pom-poms to cheer you on more because you're doing such a great job. You are so generous. I've been amazed. I've been here for eight and a half years and I'm blown away by how generous you are with your tithes and your donations to the community, which I see a tiny portion of. So good job, church. 
So those are the three blessings that happen when we tithe. God gets blessed, we get blessed, and the church and the world get blessed. Robert jumped the gun a moment ago, or Matthew, I guess. I wanted to have us conclude with a video of somebody in the congregation, a couple in the congregation, who are doing the spiritual discipline of tithing. I want you to hear from them, but right before we do, that's, that'll be the close of the sermon, right before we hear from them, I just want to point out one thing right in the text. It's an amazing thing that those of us who know Jesus, this should just leap off the page. When the command comes to bring this grain offering with this bread that's a pleasing aroma, it's followed by a drink offering of wine. And what accompanies the bread and the wine? A male lamb. If there's anybody who knows the story of Jesus, you might see this page just sparkle with the gospel. What God invited the Old Testament people to bring into his house was a lamb sacrifice and some bread and wine. And Jesus came into the world as the Lamb of God, and he would be sacrificed. And we celebrate him with bread and wine every Sunday. Here's what I want you to know. If you don't get anything else out of this sermon, just know this. God has given his first fruit offering, his own son, to us. He's given the very best of what he had so that we can have life abundant and eternal. But let's hear from Brian and Kimberly, lastly, about their practice of tithing. I'm Brian. And I'm Kimberly, and we've been married for 19 years and been going to Sandwich for about seven. About 10 years ago, Kimberly and I decided to crystallize our giving in the form of a tithe, in that we would do it uh, regularly on a monthly basis, where we would simply deduct it from our checking account like most every other household expense we had at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, up until then, we would write checks, we would give to the church that we were attending, um, but it felt irregular, and occasionally if an unexpected expense would arise, the tithe or the, the offering would often be sacrificed, you yeah. know, so to speak, right? It was mm-hmm. not exactly the priority. So now we take our 10% and we automatically have it withdrawn from our account and it goes automatically to the church. At this point, it's there and we don't think twice about it. For us, this works because we are fully dependent and trusting God. It brings us back to the whole notion of 90% with God is better than 100% on our own and He can just do so much better and we don't think twice about it. We don't worry about any extra expenses. We have what we have and God always provides more. And there's never been that situation where we've thought twice about saying, well, wait, we shouldn't take it because we have an expense coming in. It, it's just there. It works and God always supplies. You know, one of the considerations we have also is that, you know, we give regularly in the form of a tithe and that enables the church to to have some sort of reliability to meet their expenses. And I think it's, I think, you know, that's a big part of our consideration too. Yeah, I think supporting your local church and where you get your um, bread, biblical bread, is important. I think God calls us to do that. And I was actually raised on if under the law you do 10%, how much more should we do under grace? This has been a process for us. It's something that we've, I'll say, formally done for 
10 to 12 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely a transition for us to move to that. And it's really a leap of faith to say that, you know, I trust God to provide and I'm willing to show that commitment, you know, in, in my giving every week or every month or however the regularity is, you know. You don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, I don't know. You can imagine when you start to think about this for the first time that you earn a dollar you're first going to peel off 10% for the church in the form of your tithe and then another 40% to Uncle Sam, the cumulative tax. And then you've got a cascading ladder of household expenses as well. I mean, it's a daunting proposition. It's a biblical principle that we've embraced. And once you embrace that, you're free from the obligation of, you know, contemplating the expense, thinking about the expense or dreading it even uh, when you should be joyous. And it's a form of worship that, you know, you can actually give that money. Yeah, it's actually, um, once you resolve to do it all the time, it becomes less of an effort or a decision because it's, the decision's made, I'm done. And so you don't have that struggle anymore. It's, you just have a peace. <laughs>